0: Till Dawn, continue on Channel Five with Island of Lost Souls.
1: Welcome to Movies Till Dawn a new podcast that's a safe space for filmmakers to talk about the fascinating and exasperating, always unusual and never quite the same thing twice process of creating motion pictures. I'm Raymond Felita, and I'm the show's Toastmaster General. You're about to listen to a conversation I had with the filmmaker Nancy Savoca and her husband and artistic collaborator Richard Gay. Um, if you know Nancy's films like True Love or Household Saints, uh, then you already know that her work is more or less impossible to describe. Her films are beautiful studies of humanity and all of its awkward and lovely forms. Um, they aren't comedies, but you'll laugh deeply. And they're certainly not tearjerkers in the usual manipulative sense, but she will make you cry. Uh, I guarantee that. Um, the films are realistic, and yet they're surreal. They're very sympathetic, and yet also kind of merciless towards the characters they they portray. Um, In short, they're full of contradictions that somehow all make sense thanks to Nancy's one-of-a-kind touch as a filmmaker. As I said, Nancy's joined in this conversation by Rich, her aforementioned life and artistic partner, and you're going to hear a really lovely symbiosis that has clearly defined their their lives and their work in uh, an unusually successful way. Unfortunately, two of the films discussed here are very hard to see. Um, Neither True Love, which was released in 1989, uh, or Household Saints from 1993 ever made it to DVD, much less streaming, which is criminal. Um, You can find lousy quality bootlegs out there if you want, and I think you should. You know, they're great films. But the good news is that these movies are finally about to reappear uh, in great updated quality on DVD, and they will be streaming. Um, And we'll discuss that uh, in part two. We'll talk about how that's happening. Um, But in the first part of our two-part conversation, we talk about how Nancy and Rich got their start, uh, how their debut movie, True Love, which is a true New York indie of the late 80s, came together, uh, and how it reflected their own lives and beginnings in the uh, Italian-American world of the Bronx. And then we talk about a wonderful movie that Nancy directed as a work for hire in 1990 called Dogfight. Uh, starring River Phoenix and Lily Taylor. Uh, Now, Dogfight is available on Amazon Prime, and I urge you to watch it as soon as you're done listening to our conversation about it. It's a beautiful and unusual tale. Uh, It's about a soldier on his way to Vietnam who gets involved in a contest to see who in his group can pick up the least attractive woman they can find. Um, And it turns into a most moving and improbable love story. The story of making the film and what its fate Almost was as a case study in what can happen uh, when a studio controls a movie and not the maker. Um, and yet the film survived, and it most certainly deserves a rediscovery. So here we go with part one of my conversation. Uh, we had it in Brooklyn in the summer of 2022, and here's Nancy Savoka and Richard Gay. So when did you get interested in, in film? When did you know you wanted to start doing this?
0: Um, officially, probably 17, but younger than that because my, I had a brother. Uh, my brother and I grew, uh, grew up together, and then there was a 10-year gap, and then I have sisters who are, t- again, the teenagers when I was growing up. But my brother and I were very, very close, and he was super imaginative as a kid. And he, we would watch movies, and he'd start, like, the minute the movie was over, we'd set up a set, and we'd get the um, Jiffy peanut butter uh, covers. We'd get the cover off the peanut butter jar because they were like metallic, and we'd set up lights, and it would be like action and cut. Like he knew stuff. Yeah, you know, I would. I would mimic. I would just mimic what he did because that's how I got a playmate out of it. Right. He didn't want to play with dolls, so yeah. So we did a lot of movie stuff. So that kind of stayed with me, but never, ever imagining, ever that I could do it. Never.
1: Yeah. What were the What were the movies you were watching?
0: Oh, well the. Mostly television, although I think I think A Hard Day's Night might have been the first movie that I was taken to, and it was my sister, Tina, who took me, and it was Under the L um, on Westchester Avenue. There was the Ward Theater, and we sat there, and the entire—the lights went down, the music came up, and everybody started screaming, and that was, like, my first experience. <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> And then the you thought all movies go, were like that. Oh, yeah. gonna do this. And then the train kept going by and shaking the theater, and, and then people kept screaming. And then and then my sister decided to stay for another screening of it. So we sat for four hours and watched the movie twice. Hmm. I guess I don't know how they did that, but yeah. And well, so I got taken to movies, and then my parents were watching what we call foreign films, but not foreign to my parents because they were immigrants. So we watched um movies from Mexico. We watched Cantinflas, we watched movies from Argentina. We watched movies from Italy. The neorealist movies were like no big deal. They were is just, this is it
1: revival theaters or uh, the
0: movies were uh, we watched on a lot of them at home on what was it UHF? UHF. UHF oh, really okay. right the the, sure. the funny channels. We watched a lot of foreign stuff, and then there was a there was a Spanish because I'm half I'm so I'm half Italian and I'm half Argentinian, right? So in my house we spoke Spanish, so I'm Latin American too. So we used to go to um, on Broadway. There used to be I want to say it was called Broadway One and Two, which were Spanish language movie theaters. They were uh, multi, uh, two screens, and they watched they showed movies from all of uh, Spanish speaking movies, like whether it was Spain or Latin America. And I saw um, my parents would take me there too. Hmm. So yeah,
1: and so the so what and were the current American films of the seventies? Because oh, I'm assuming deal. you're by then you're yes, like yes, big a deal, big, Oh my
0: god, yeah. Well, okay. Why I wanted to make movies was Cassavetes. I watched him on TV. <laughs> I watched Husbands one day. Just turned it on and there it was. And I just, I was, I don't even know that I caught it at the very beginning. I just started watching these guys interact and I felt like I was watching, I couldn't tell if it was a documentary or if it was a movie. And it was the first time that I remember feeling that way. Like it was really, I was watching, something. it was almost embarrassing. Like it was a voyeur and um, very, very personal, very, very intimate. And I remember that point kind of, again, teenager, like maybe 15 at that point going like, wow, that must be amazing to be a part of this. Um, But then that kind of went away for a while. And then at 17, at a, that last cla- those last classes you take before you graduate, when you can just kind of goof off, I, I took History of the Movies, and that's when I learned what the director did. And then that was really interesting. I remember waiting after class one day and going up to my teacher and saying, "How do I study this? I'm I'd be interested in studying this." And I, I hadn't even discussed it with anybody. It was like a very all of a sudden out of body experience. Like somebody else was asking the question. It couldn't have been me. It was never going to be me. I was shocked that I asked.
1: And what did he say?
0: Um, It was a she, and she ended up being a casting director out in L.A., uh, Nina Pakula. Uh, She said, well, the best film school to go to in New York is NYU. And I went, great, can't afford that. Where's the second one? And she went, Queens College is a great media program. And that's when I went to Queens. Uh, And I was there for two years. Then I met Rich, and he said, go to NYU. And I said, can't afford it. And he said, it's called (laughs) loan." Back in the day, you could.
1: Are you still paying it? or? No, oh, no. 10
0: years. You could pay it, it in 10 short, years. Uh, Back in yeah. the No, we're talking a oh, long time ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know, but now you hear about people who are like, uh, you know, they're, they're near retirement age and they're still trying oh, to pay these things off. Oh, so it's heartbreaking. I know. It's heartbreaking.
0: We're losing the so many people is. who are afraid to, to take classes, like, to go to a film school. We're losing those storytellers. And I say this to every film school It's like you better get your like scholarships together you You have to invite people who are storytellers who've got are dying to tell their stories. you've got to get them in yeah
1: yeah so then I noticed i, I now you know sometimes Wikipedia is like just an incredible bastion of misinformation mm-hmm. You and I, your your connection with Jonathan Demi starts by being his production auditor.
0: Yeah. Well, that. So I explain that to one Rich. to me,
1: because I was <laughs> like, did they mean editor or? You no, know.
2: no, no, no. She was an assistant. Nancy did a lot of assisting in different things, but uh, we, I, I, my brief history was N Y U business, but I majored in accounting, and uh,
0: and he had so much so, more fun crossing the street. And going to the film school yeah. where I was.
2: Well, my friend, I don't even remember anybody in business school that I went to school with. Um, but I, uh, but I majored in accounting, and when I graduated, I got a job, and I got my CPA in two years um, while she was finishing school. But I was focused entirely on. I produced her student films. I produced other student films. People in her class, um, and I became really attracted to this producing thing, which I never, I had no, I had no history in movies. I went to see The Sound of Music when I was five and I was like, this musical stuff is not for me. <laughs> and I don't even remember going to another movie for wow. like 10 or 12 years. It's uh, really like, um, I think Rocky may have been the next one I saw, oh but, my God. but I, uh, but, you know, she wanted to do this and, and I started hanging out in order to actually see my new wife. I had to like hang out. And help out, and
0: we get married a year before I started film school at NYU. Yeah, mm. so we had five days together, and then I started film. My my two big commitments in life, right, were a yeah. week apart. Yeah. So wow.
2: so you know I just so I, so I so my intention always then at that point was I was I would get in that I was getting that CPA with an eye on producing. So I retired from accounting at 25 years old, uh, and I start I went into production accounting, uh, which I learned. Uh, was was a thing, and it was a lot better because it paid better than starting out your own business practice, and I know, it's just like, it was bookkeeping, it was kind of easy for me, um, but then when, you know, when, uh, so I worked as an assistant on uh, on a couple of things, like a, after hours, and uh, Hannah and her sisters, and then I got a shot at my, you know, being the full account on Something Wild.
0: And then when he got the job on Something Wild, that was shooting in Tampa, right? Tampa, Florida. Well, we, we uh, Tallahassee. Tallahassee, and um, and then he was going to be away, and I and I needed to work. I needed to find a job, so I said, I'll, you know." we said, "Can I assist him?" And yeah. so I came along, and I I input bills.
1: Yeah. Did Demi know of your of your work at NYU? Because you did films that were not, you won awards not at, at that NYU point. And-
0: uh, not, not at that point. At not not that point. yet. Not yet. He was lovely, though. We we did yeah. get to meet him, but at that point it was still kind of. Uh, you know, we we were just try, scheming and trying to figure out how we're going to do our feature. I mean, so my, not yet.
2: My interaction with, uh, you know, I uh, my interaction was with the producer. I was I was the accountant, then Kenny Utt, who I should send you. Uh, I will send you a link. We did a do- Jonathan Jonathan and I did a documentary about Kenny. If you don't know who he is, but. He produced a few movies like French Connection and all that jazz and etc. Anyway, uh, we became he became sort of like our we call him our movie dad, yeah. um, and we became very close with him, uh, and that led to the connection with with uh, with Jonathan. But before there was a connection with Jonathan, there was a connection with John Sales.
0: Right, because the first film I worked on right out of film school uh, was I volunteered to work on Brother from Another Planet, and. So that was the first movie set that I was on.
1: I was going to ask you, what was the first professional set you that were on? That was it. They yeah. shot up
0: in Harlem at night, all nights. And we were working out of, um, what was it, Do right?
2: No, Movie bar.
0: Lab. Oh, Movie Lab, right, right.
2: The production office So I was, was like the,
0: yeah. the assistant at POC, and I would just run up to set. And, you know, back in the day, call sheets. I had to deliver the call sheets. I would get on the subway with a manila envelope and hand out the call sheets on set, at, you know, like 2 in the morning. It was right. crazy. It was fun. I loved, I loved watching. So Maggie Renzi, another mentor of ours, nice. uh, Maggie and John working, just watching the two of them work and the vibe that they put on that set was super inspirational. Like I went, like this is what we need to do. Also, just everyone working together, really a lot of respect between people. No power trips. It was good. Yeah,
1: I noticed in the the um, end credits uh, of of True Love. Um, all of the, all of these people are mentioned, yeah. yeah. And, and I think now I remember the the the, Kenneth uh, 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 mention is, you now you'll have to you have to remind me of somebody started us and thanks to John, Kenneth uh, for finishing. Yeah, right, so it's John, John, John started Sales started us for getting
2: us started, and Kenny out for for, yeah. for yeah. finishing. Yeah. How
1: did he get you started? Was my
2: well, you know, we had written. So, just throwing some the the time frame around eighty two, and after graduation, after Nancy's graduation, we went up to uh, Canada for to a a remote to this motel up there uh, near where my family was from, and we locked ourselves away for I don't know, was it a week or two weeks? And we wrote the first draft of True Love. I mean, and and when I say wrote, we wrote it with paper and pencil, yellow pads. And we just wrote it. Uh, then we came home and we typed it. Um, and, uh, so we, but we were working on, you know, since I was 82, so 83, Nancy worked on uh, brother from another planet. And I, again, here I am hanging around again. And, uh, that was a really small budget and they were doing, you know, the POC who was a graphic artist by training was doing the payroll and, the books, and I was like, and at that point, I knew enough to say, you know you guys are gonna get in trouble if you you know I volunteered to do the accounting for the for the movie, uh and so that's how you know i I got to hang around a little bit and um so at that point, it was just kind of like you know at some point we 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 let Maggie read the script, uh and she responded really po- in in a positive way, and then Oh my God! She gave it to John, and we were totally em- embarrassed <laughs> about that. Uh, but you know, there there was good feedback, and we became f- we really became friends. Uh, and
0: and they kind of watched, I think, over the years as we tried, because it took us six years to get to to get that movie going. And um, and the reason why we got it going is because uh, John and Maggie want, said they would be the first investors in yeah. it because we got rejections from everywhere. I mean, the, re- the main reason um, that everyone gave us, first of all, who's in it? Nobody. <laughs> who's directing? Nobody. <laughs> and um, and basically the story was not universal enough and the neighborhood, the, just the, the war- world and everything was just so specific that there was no audience for it. Um, fast forward years later, we premiered the movie in up in Canada at the Montreal Film Festival and there was a Q&A afterwards, and there was a young guy in the audience who stood up and through an interpreter, he said, um, I just want to let you know how much I enjoyed this movie. Uh, and, and watching all this preparation for the wedding and the, and the drama that goes behind it reminded me so much of Chinese weddings. And I would love to know when this movie is showing in China. <laughs> So it's like so much for no universality. I mean, it's, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, let's
3: make a decision on which room you're going to use for your reception. Now, as I remember, there are 200 people in your party? Yeah. Okay, I think this then, the St. Lawrence room. It seats about 250. As you can see, it's very elegant, romantic and contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, what is the color scheme of your bridal party? Well, the bridesmaids are gonna be in the rainbow gowns, like um, green, yellow, and blue pastels. That's very nice, we can do a lot with that in terms of <laughs> flowers, decorations, and such. Now, you've selected a menu of prime rib, baby peas, and mashed potatoes. Uh, we often color the potatoes to match the colors of the wedding. Oh, yeah? Nice. <laughs> but with rainbow, you can go with anything. Might I suggest a pale blue? Pale, that's nice, pale Did you say blue? blue mashed potatoes? Yes. No. (laughs) We're not having blue mashed potatoes at this wedding. What kind of blue? Sort of a sky blue. Get out of here. I'm not eating blue food. Okay? Come on, Michael. It'll look cool. Donna, it'll look nutty. Whoever heard of eating blue food? There's no such thing as blue food in real life. Michael, this is not real life. That's right. Michael, this is your day. And you should feel that anything is possible. Sort of a fantasy day. Oh man! Come on, buddy. It'll look cool. I don't believe this. I told you we should have went with French fries. Blue's great. Good. So
2: it, it was this situation where you know I'm pulling. I'm trying to figure out the budget, and by then I kind of understood how to do a budget. And John said. Well, at, uh, he had watched us for quite a five, four or five years, fooling around with this thing. And at a certain point, he said, "You know, well, if you decide to do it really low budget, I'll invest." And I was like, "Okay, first, what's low budget, and how much would you invest?" And what's
1: really low budget? What's really low budget?
2: And we um, went really low budget. <laughs> we went really low budget. Uh, except it was a very long shooting schedule. I basically took the above the line out. Okay, nobody above the line gets paid. As everybody's on deferment, um, and then sat down and tried to figure it out, and we, uh, you know, it was a, it? was it was supposed to be about six hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money, uh, and it's it's you know it's significant money now. But remember, this was thirty five millimeter, um, and we were shooting. We shot for you know fifty days. A lot. It was it was a lot of locations, extras, the wedding, and all that. Mm. Uh, plus, she insisted I be the ad, and I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. Uh, so that slowed things down too. But um, you know, first so
0: and last time, don't ever, don't ever ask your producer to be your no. AD. It's not a, not good, a good idea. Good, not, not a good
2: idea. And and yeah, ad is a specific, very specific uh, personality, and I, I don't have it. But you know, so we so with John's money, and 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 then we just get you know we came across this idea because we were working for Jonathan um and we had I had a partner who had connections to to Susan Seidelman so we came up with the idea of celebrity investors um and we got and Jonathan invested and Kenny invested Susan Seidelman invested and uh based on that we were able to raise money from you know dentists and doctors and some other people it was a I, I don't remember how many, but there were about a dozen or so private equity investors.
0: And we, we actually raised enough money to shoot. And then I think early on with the first cut, we had to screen it. And then we raised more money.
2: Yeah. And the way Ott helped us was to finish. And because we were over budget and uh, he literally took out a line of credit on his Riverside Drive apartment. Trusted yeah. us with that. It, wow. Yeah. Which was
0: And you know, so that baby that was born the night of Sundance is named Kenny.
2: Yes. <laughs> oh how great. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it was So that's amazing. that was the that's 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 the you know, that's how it how how that
1: all... So you literally you had like all of the stars of New York filmmaking Made in the nineteen eighties are getting behind you. Yeah. Like anointing you really <laughs> in a way. Was that like kinda heavy or was that did you even think of it that way or
0: um I was, like, so grateful. It was incredible gratitude because it was people, you know, they were people that I admired, all of them. Um, and because we were working on these films, you know, in, in different – I worked in different categories. I was an assistant editor. I was an assistant POC. Um, so everything I, – I, I knew of most of these folks. And, yeah, I mean, it was um, – it's funny. I was so grateful. But at the same time, like I just kept thinking, OK, here's the housekeeping seal you know, of approval, folks. Let me like, say so who else can invest? so I can get this off the ground because they were they were kind of they were they were like the public face of approval for my work so that I can then go to the rest of the people and just finish up getting the money. So it was it was interesting. It was, it was a lot of gratitude. But things were going so fast that I think I, my nose was to the grindstone. I was just trying to like a, like a get it done get it done
1: mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> yeah so well sort of like like directing itself right like you kind of yeah. can't stop and watch yourself do it you, yeah. you know otherwise you'll you'll either fall way behind or you'll just get too self-conscious
0: yeah and I, and certainly certainly in the early um days because I just kept thinking each and I, you know you still wonder if every time you make a movie it's the last time you get a chance to do it but I feel like now when it, when I do get a chance I really make an effort to enjoy it. I really, I have to, because it's a privilege. Like, I realize that how much it is a privilege. And and to do it independently, to do it where what you want to do sort of, kind of, you know, you're always, of course, even the movie itself wants you to compromise with it. I've found that these movies, they have their own personalities. You know, so you're, like, fighting with them. You're trying to figure out, you know, you're trying to make them do what you want them to do, and they don't want to do that. So, um, I think – but in the end, the fact that you're doing something that you really have been planning for for a while and wanting to do, it's just now it, it kind of floors me. It's kind of amazing.
1: <clears throat> that's, a, that's such an interesting way to, you know, to look at it. The movie has its own, Oof. like, desires, its own pulls. Do, do you find that in, in production? or I, 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 I know what you mean in terms of editing. Like, you can't make it do something that yeah. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense for it. But do you find that in, in production too?
0: As I went on with the years I did, and I think in the editing room, the, the darn thing reveals itself, but, but it's already doing things during production, which is why you, don't, you can't predict anything, and, and accidents happen which are really good, and then accidents happen which change the thing you really wanted to do, and um, yeah, I, I, it does feel very much like now. I used to think when I first started that I had a vision or something, and I had to accomplish it, and it was very much about controlling this thing and, you know. And now I feel like there's this thing that's there that I need to um, enable to come out. And then it, it, I have to listen for it and I have to really, really be attentive. And so when people give me advice, I, I sort of play that advice against that, the thing. <laughs> and I, I sort of like go back and forth. Is, is this what you want? <laughs> it's almost like having a conversation with this thing that's coming together. Um, it's a very different relationship than the way I started. It's very much, um, I tell students, I was like, I feel like I'm there to serve a story mm. now. And th- that's not how I started it out, no.
1: I, it's funny because when we were trying, when I was working with the students at, at Fierstein, I found myself trying to make sense of my own, uh, how my own methods changed. And, and mine is, I used to plan a lot and i don't really plan much anymore i like to work with the actors in the morning and it starts to evolve into something and and it, i think it sounded kind of scary to them and i was like no i'd be scared now to plan too much yeah weirdly yes. i and it's it's almost like working yeah. backwards like perhaps you you would think it would be the other way around maybe the more you do it the more you'd want to control everything yeah. but
0: no i think what we learn is that the more you do it you realize that stuff wants to happen or things happen on the set that you cannot prepare for. And all you basically want to, you you do prepare something to get there. I, I certainly, I do tons of research. I love researching, I do tons of research. And then, but when I show up there, it's like, I'm ready to throw half of it out the window. like you know what's gonna what are you bringing you know and even as you're rehearsing with your actors or talking to them you start seeing like this new potential with every step as you get closer to being on set you start seeing oh now now that I've casted and oh look these people are going to do oh there's a potential something here to happen and then your production designers telling you things that are like I hadn't thought of that either so suddenly you do like if if you're open in a way you're 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 going to get some really good stuff. If you shut down and kind of go with a pre-made plan, you get a movie, I think, that doesn't breathe.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you, re- do you rehearse or did you rehearse prior to shooting?
0: In ge- Everything is always different depending on who the actors are and the kind of movie it is. But um, there is something that that's called a rehearsal process, and it changes with whatever the needs are. But in general, um, th- there's a getting to know the actors really important for me. Um, I don't want to learn something that I could have learned in pre-production on the set. Um, and um, sort of talking through the story, seeing do we need to adjust anything on the, the, on the script so that, again, like if we do our prep together um, on the set, we can be very creative. If we don't do our prep together, we're going to be doing that prep on the set. So I, I like to do whatever time I have with them is never wasted. I, we do field trips. We, you know, they go off on field trips. I go on them if, if, if it works that way. Um, and we just get to know the world, just kind of drown in the world that we're going to be in. So that's what rehearsal is for me, It's just drown in that world. So that when you show up, you're carrying all this stuff
1: mm. with you was it did that was that just a natural uh, uh, <clears throat> way that you wanted to do it starting with starting with um, um true love was that did that just fall into place for you or
0: um i think i think having acting uh uh lessons before i want, I want to say acting lessons because i don't have an acting background i'm not an actress but when i went to queen's college every time they shut me out of that film <laughs> class and i went to theater i, I took acting classes mm-hmm. so in a way it's weird it's almost like like the way an actor prepares for a character the movie's my character. So I start preparing for the movie. And um, and then, yeah, our rehearsals and, and true you, love.
2: Well, you also, yeah, I mean, then you also took uh, classes with uh, Wynne Hanman.
0: Oh, yeah, I took, so Wynne Hanman at the American Place Theater, my actor friends from my film uh, student days uh, went to Win Hanman for acting classes, and they recommended I go for directing. So he didn't have directing students. So basically for the first X number of weeks, he didn't allow me to do anything. I sat there and I watched actors in their process, and, and I wasn't allowed to say a word. And then after I had been there for a while, then he asked me to direct the scene and he would observe me and t- talk to me about how I'm working with the actors. So all of that training, I think, was super helpful. And I just, I love working with actors. Like it's really, um, it informs everything. Like I begin with those characters, and it informs how I shoot. It informs um, all the decisions I'm going to make, are based on those characters and that world.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you find this in 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 um, in your teaching, Rich, but um, I was surprised that act in in the film school that I taught at, acting did not was not very heavily weighted. It it all mm. sort of felt it a, a little like there's there's the. You know, there's your cinematography, there's your production design, oh, and there are the actors too. And one of the things I talked to them a lot about was y- your movie can look like crap, and with good acting, people are going to be interested in it. It does not work the other way around.
2: No. That's right. No. That's right. no. no. Do you that, find that in academia in general? Oh, or? in general, for th- I mean, I we've been teaching for... Right, out, right, right after Dogfight, we started doing some teaching, and I've taught semesters. I've taught at NYU, Columbia. We've, we've developed this whole... Um, directing actors workshop that Nancy teaches and uh, is now she's going to do it at the University of Michigan in the fall but it's um, yeah it's a huge deficiency that, that's exactly what I tell them I, I tell them I would prefer you shoot your movie on an iPhone but f- concentrate on the actors because at the end of the day the whole business revolves around actors if you can direct actors if you be, are an actors director you're, you're probably going to work nobody cares about your camera work everybody's got I can hire anybody I can you know I, I can it's funny I was listening the, the uh, Duart Films was another sponsor of True Love oh Erwin yeah. um, Young gave us 50% deferral uh, which I actually paid. Of course, he was holding the negative, so I had to pay it. But,
1: but he, they were very cool about that. They Duarte. were so yeah, cool. I, my they student are. films. Like I, I processed at oh. to Duard, and they were always very oh. like forgiving. He was, he was Erwin was amazing. He Erwin was. was amazing.
2: But he he uh, you know he won. They won a lot of technical awards. He actually won an Oscar. And I remember the his speech, and he talked about the fact that he you know he said there's you know the most important things that affect the image on the screen are what's in front of the camera and what's behind the camera. The camera itself is, and, and the, the technical stuff is not that important, you know. Um, as you say, it can look beautiful, but if the acting is not good, nobody's interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we try. I try to focus that we, we both do try to focus our our students on that, uh, you know, and, and, and paring down the equipment. You don't need all that stuff.
1: Yeah. I kind of feel like the best thing to do at the beginning, like you did, almost by accident, is like make everyone take an acting class. Yeah. Because the first time I acted in front of camera was after I became a director, and it completely changed everything. Wow. I, when sure. I finally saw what, is, what, sh- what they're really up against, what the various things that they have to control and do, and, and, and then at the same time not look like they're doing anything abnormal that, the, you know— and it really made it, it. taught me something that you can't learn unless you do it, unless Absolutely. you're in the, the skin of the, the actor in their position. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And the, and there's some... Um, sometimes I've come across attitudes, um, you know, in, up in the hierarchy about, you know, like, oh, and this actor, you know, like, this one's a difficult one, and this and that. And I just feel like, you know, the, the act... Without the actor, none of us are here. <laughs> you know, the, without the face on the screen, none of us are here. But also, if you think the bottom line for what an actor is, is very, very simple. They're, they're performing, and they don't really know what they're looking like. So you have a choice. You can have an actor that feel like you're not there for them, and then they will uh, auto-direct, you know, they will do their own directing for themselves, that will put them in their movie. Or you can decide that they'll be in your movie, you talk to them about your movie, you do all the prep with them, and you become their audience. So that when they're filming, take one, take two, take three, you're watching and you're working with them. And then they feel like you've got them. And you're, you're putting something on the line because they're definitely putting something on the line. And for me, that's the most important thing for anybody to realize that's going to direct actors is that the bottom line is that they don't want to look bad. Yeah. You know, put yourself in front of a camera. <laughs> I don't want to Ma- look bad. Ma- so who's this person that's directing me? Are, do they have my back or not? Do, is there trust?
3: Each of the guys puts in 75 bucks. You set up a meeting place and time. Excuse me. Hi. Hi. And then you go out and see what you can bring back. So what's your name? Rose. Rose Fennie. Better shove off here soon. Gotta go to a party. Say, maybe you'd like to go with me.
2: A dress-up party?
3: Yes, a, a dress-up party. You look great. Yeah. It's not really as bad as it sounds, right? Free cocktail, free beer, and they gotta be polite. Those are the rules. They gotta be polite. What rules? The rules of the dog fight. I'll be a son of a gun. That is a guy. I'll give him a seven. <laughs> the ugliest woman wins a hundred bucks for the guy. The guy who brings her. I'm the ugliest, so I win. <laughs> you are a cruel, heartless, ignorant creep. And if I were a man, I would beat you to a pulp. But the one rule that no one talks about is, don't get involved. I don't apologize ever. And I came all the way back here to take you out to dinner and, and, and try. To make things up to you. But if this is some part of your dog fight, I'll kill you. I'm a traveling man, made
0: a lot of stops all over
1: the world. It feels like such an organic move from true love to, to Dogfight. fight. So huh. to to not start at the beginning, really? I'd love to talk about, about dogfight, which is so such a beautiful I can't believe that's a studio movie. I
0: know. Yeah. He looked like
1: I, I think Warner Brothers. We fooled them on that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well it originally actually came from Warner it was at Warner Brothers. Yeah it was
2: warming. it was developed it, it was at Warner's with and there had been a whole list of directors attached to the to the project. And Peter Newman, um I don't know exactly how Peter came after to Sundance. it with Bob. But well uh-huh. he came to us after Sundance, but he had already been working on that for a couple of for years. And, and George Roy Hill, I think, was attached.
0: Right. Michael, uh, Dinner? Michael
2: Dinner. There was a number of directors that that they attached to it, that they had attached. Um, but he he was Peter was very aggressive. God bless him. And he, we had a meeting with him in February, right, of uh, the end of February. I, I I remember because, you know, the story of us and Sundance is that Nancy didn't go to Sundance.
0: Yeah, I was having a baby that night, so. So you were
1: like you're like Sundance schmundance.
2: No, I, I
0: was like Sundance, <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> literally in labor while they announced that we won. I mean, it was crazy. They called us and I was in labor. So, so you won
1: the grand jury prize yeah. Yeah. for for, for uh, True Love. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. Peter, like a month later, you know, we have a two week old, and he and he uh, sent us a script for Dogfight, which was incredible because I remember reading it and thinking oh, my God, I know, I know this era, and I kind of know these people, even though I was maybe three years old or four years old for that time, because my sisters were teenagers when I was born, so they were really the Rose and Eddie time. And I just grew up under the shadow of these young people, like having their early 60s moments, and the music of the time, everything of that time, was just really, like, ingrained like preverbal, ingrained in me, so um, this st- I just really reacted to the story. But I just had a baby, so, so I wasn't going to go off and make a movie.
2: Yeah, so we we did what we usually do: was pass, <laughs> said thank you, <laughs> but not, you know, we, we don't, we're not going to do this right now. Um, and then I guess it was months and months later uh, when I just decided it was I don't know it was probably August or September, and I decided to, just to check in with Peter the producer thing let's just, let's just call him and see what's going on and he was like well you know we we had someone attached and but at the moment they just dropped out Are you, is is nancy interested and
0: yeah yeah no and i and i mean like, I, was. I was i was and then we went out it was our first uh la trip ever yes. we went out with um uh kenny was so it was early kenny was like two months old and yeah. we were like the beverly hillbillies like we, with a diaper bag, two and kids. kids, and you know, <laughs> just kind of like we no, we weren't expecting them; they weren't expecting us, kind of thing.
1: I like that your first trip to LA is like funded by Warner Brothers.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, that's, no. a, that's a good way to go. Oh to my LA God, well. we stayed at it, the, um, at the Sunset Marquee. Yeah, I saw Carlos Santana by the pool.
1: Yeah,
2: it was like I a, wow. a little
0: baby who was like I was like really. nursing, like covered up, and I'm watching like Carlos Santana by the pool. It was really pretty.
2: But the, the the great thing, I think it was actually funded by MGM because the great thing about it was that we went out there because True Love was going to open in L.A. Because right. it opened in New York in September and then L.A., I forget when, weeks later. Um, and the, the she had a meeting scheduled for like noon on Friday and the L.A. Times Review, I will never forget, the opening line was the debut of a major new American filmmaker. I was like, "What's better than that?" You know, with on 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 all the Warner Brothers executive desks yeah. as they as they meet her.
0: Ah, oh, the nineties.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Whoever thought you'd be like nostalgic when, yeah. for like the 1980s. or <laughs> I know. Nineties. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That so so that's interesting because I, and it's funny because when I when I looked at uh, when I when I looked at True Love and and Dogfight back to back. Like I said, it it feels to me like it's just your movie, not a movie that you came on as director to, to another script. And I was trying to figure out some of the some of the reasons why. And I was writing down notes. I was like, what What is it about Nancy's movies that I find so peculiar and singular? And I I wrote down, she's a romantic naturalist with a strong surreal anti romantic bent. <laughs> I'm um, like, it's, total, it's totally, like, in conflict, you know, and so, like, when you enter the, the world of your films, y- you know, you go on this odd journey where you're not, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, looking at True Love, and, and one thing that struck me is, is that they're both movies that um, are about, you know, the, the, they happen right before the big event that changes your life.
3: You just wait till I'm through with him. He's not going to know where that shit or go blind. Eddie, you've had your fun. Why, why do you have to do this? What? Listen, Rose. Someone dumps on me five pounds, I dump back 50, all right? I'm not through with that jack off yet. Okay, Eddie. If you're gonna spend the rest of the night trying to make this man miserable, I'm gonna go home. What? Yeah, I'm serious. Well, what are you talking about? We came here to have a nice dinner and. And I'd like some respect from that man. That's all you deserve, some respect too. I mean, we're paying just like everyone else in this fucking joint. That's how you get respect? People are such goddamn idiots. I know they are. But what what is the point of spending all your time and energy trying to get even with everybody that makes you angry? Because it feels great, that's why. It feels fucking great, especially when there's an asshole. And what is the point of
2: every word that comes out of your mouth be a curse word? Mm.
3: Well, are you ready to order now, or...? No.
2: Yes, goddamn it. I'm going to have the, the... the fucking poached salmon with the son of a bitching rice and, uh and a and a dirty bastard salad with a with a shitload of roquefort
3: dressing. Thank you. And uh, who knows what this asshole wants?
1: It sounds like uh, Peter Newman was a very protective obviously and supportive producer. What what was your relationship with the studio which you've never you never had anything thing to do with a studio. What what did they did they did they like what was going on? Did did he, <laughs> he kind of keep that I mean it's it's a it's an indie film in <laughs> spirit, in in you know, there's nothing about it. I'm trying to look at and there's a lot of eighties films that are wonderful. Yeah. This is even more though, unusually un studio than a lot of eighties films are, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't think they knew what they were gonna get. I don't I don't think they knew. It's so it's so interesting and again, you know, learning learning for us, right? Because at that point, I was a young enough filmmaker, second film, that I thought that what I saw in a script was what everybody saw in a script, right? Um, so now, especially when I'm teaching, I tell everybody, look, I could give, you know, 10 of you directors the same screenplay, and you're all gonna see 10 different things. It's almost like giving somebody a song to sing. You know, what, you know what's your genre? <laughs> what's your background? What, what, do you bring, what luggage are you bringing to the story? Uh, what experiences you bring into it? So, for me, I thought I was giving them pretty much, you know, what was on in the script. But no, there's an interpretation of what's on paper, and my interpretation, I think, was very surprising. Um, I mean, the, to the mean, the
2: great part about the studio, of course, was the fact that we had a, I mean, there was an eight million dollar budget, uh, so we had plenty of resources. Um, Although and, for them,
0: we were a tiny movie. Oh,
2: yeah. 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 We were, we, were, we, were, we were small enough. But, you know, they had just done Les Mis and they had done Batman had come out. So they were flush at that moment. Um, the other great, the greatest thing that happened about that movie <laughs> was that uh, Marion Doherty was uh, this, uh, in charge of casting. The, the, the great Marion Doherty. Uh, There's a
0: great documentary on Marion Doherty on from HBO, I think, um, called the, Casting By, right?
2: Yes, Casting By, and it's it's Marion Doherty and uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting his name, Lynn Stoll Stollmaster. It's the two of them. It's basically the people that invented the casting director position role.
0: So we got I got to work with Marion. I mean, I, we we went out to L.A. rented a, an apartment at the Oakwood. Right? The yeah, the Oakwood on Barn Boulevard. On Barn Boulevard, so that I could walk, because I couldn't so you could drive. walk to Warner Brothers. You could so walk to Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so we walked to Warner Brothers, and they'd always be like, you know, I'd be like, go up to the booth, and they'd be like, yeah, and I'm like, um, I'm casting here. And they'd be looking around, looking for a car, and I'm like, no, I just walked here, and they'd let me in. <laughs> um, and um, Marion just, one after the other, brought in the most amazing actors uh, for us to uh, audition. And it was an embarrassment of riches, and the cast that you see in dogfight, each of them to the last person, was Marion's first choice. Mm. I mean, there was no question. She, her taste was impeccable. She was wonderful. Um, but yeah, so we, we're working, working, the, the, all the the tools that I had at my disposal were probably um, of the highest quality I've ever had mm. there, for sure.
1: The, the, this is a this is a dopey question, but I couldn't help thinking of it when we were watching. So, if I'm making a movie about uh, a, a contest where women are supposed to be the ugliest women you can find, yeah. is it embarrassing casting? That and like, I always, I would almost want to say, like, look, I apologize if you don't want to do this. It's not that I personally think you're unattractive. Like, I, I would feel myself wanting to somehow. Do, do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or were no, you just you're, not? You,
0: you're, you, your question is the director's question. It's absolutely right. And it's exactly, well, what's funny is I did not think of that. If you can imagine, could, because everything's going really, really fast, right? The minute they say yes and you're there and then you're out in a plane and then you're landing and you're thinking, well, how am I going to do this, that, the other thing. And then they sit you down. And today, says Marianne, we're casting the girls for the scene. And I was like, what am I going to say? And as the girls started coming in, we were, I, I think I, what, what I realized was, for me, I always just try and put myself in that situation. I'm like, look, <laughs> this is a story about young guys who have really, they have like no experience with women. Uh, and who are their role models? Like for the ideal woman, it's like Marilyn Monroe, you know, Jay Mansfield.
1: Ava Gardner. Ava right.
0: Gardner. Yeah. Uh, so... They're going to this contest. They're going to look for whoever doesn't fit that role. And I'm a candidate for that role. Okay? Catch me on a day where, especially on a day where I'm not feeling so secure about myself, which is what Lily's situation is, right? Right. uh, Rose's situation is not feeling so secure about herself. And then all of us, any one of us can be that. I and I'm and I'm always amazed I think especially when you look at the way we you know have to set people up to be these sex symbols um, there's so much so many elements that have to come into play that in fact you know once you start taking those elements down that's when you start looking like us <laughs>
1: <laughs> Was River Phoenix attached to it when you came on Yeah what was, what was that I'd love to know your your impressions and feelings and experience about River Phoenix
0: well, what was really cool is the the first thing um, was that I had to have a conversation with him before even going out, um, and he was just lovely. He was just he was nineteen, and he had been acting I think um, I think since ten ten well, right because he did um, Stand by Me and and even before that he was doing other things. Um, so he was just so knowledgeable. Um, and we chatted about the story, and I just loved what he had to say. I mean, I know he was interviewing me, but I was just so excited about the way, what he wanted to do. And, that, and he said, look, I'm really aware of how people see me. Um, you know, like I'm like this, hipp- I'm either a hippie kid or the son of hippies. And, you know, I just want um, to, this, this guy is different for me. And he's, and he's an adult me, and I'm, I'm ready for this. Um, and then by the end of the conversation I don't know what he was saying he says like talking to you he says, I, I know because I, I, we were living in the Bronx the time. he says I know you're from the Bronx he says, my mom's from the Bronx <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I, I did I, have the, I had this very um, big sister um, feeling about him he was terrific and he really understood um, navigating um, comments from the studio in a way that I didn't at all so I, was, I learned a lot from him
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd been around studios and
0: he did studio
1: directors and
0: yes, exactly. Like you know, for the 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 night before the night before the shoot when we yeah, were... yeah,
2: the you know we did the tests and <clears throat> you know he. I know this is you would think that the studio was making a movie about Marines in 1964, fresh you know coming out of boot camp. They would understand that these guys have haircuts, right? That very short hair. So when you take a blonde head of hair and you just cut it really back, it kind of tends to not be so blonde. And they flipped out, that's like, what happened to his hair? What did you do? Uh, you know, what, did you do? Yeah. what did you this, do? What did you do? Right, Because right. the girl, you He's know, he was so popular sexy.
0: with the t- teen girls, and, and his hair, I guess, was part of it.
2: And it's like they wanted to, they want to, you know, you gotta, you gotta dye his hair so it's more blonde. And, and I so, remember
0: calling him, and I just felt so, I feel so horrible. I was like angry. <laughs> it was like really, pissed. Like, there's the indie filmmaker in you. You know, you're like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Like this is like we're gonna shoot tomorrow. I don't even have time for this. And we're going to dye his hair just because of his hair. It felt so superficial and shallow. And I was like, up in arms. And I said to him, River, I am so sorry, we got this note. I don't, this is ridiculous. We're not going to, this is ridiculous. And he was like, you know, Nancy, pick your battles. Let's do this. There'll There'll be other things that you'll want. I'm okay with this. And we Dyed his
2: hair. Yeah, we got the hairstylist over to was over to where he was staying and yeah. dyed his hair that night, the that night, night before shooting. The
0: night before shooting.
1: Okay. You know, it's so interesting. I, as you you were telling me this, I was like, "Well, what color was his hair in the movie?" It actually didn't really
0: <laughs> no really <Yeah>. matter. <laughs> it, it but it I, wasn't. I I can see
1: why a, you would be oh. upset, and I also see why he was right. Like this yeah. isn't really the what heart the of difference? the movie. Let's not. Yeah. Yeah. And he
0: and he had no idea what was coming. He was right. Like Ooh. pick your battles because the battles came later. But um, he like, was like, like what. Well, I think the battle's really came um it was one battle at the at the very end, you know, after we had cut the movie and we we um presented the film. Um everybody the executives really they really I think they were a little surprised but they kind of were enjoying it and then they tested it. Tested it.
2: Yeah, the previews were... And they tested in
0: Pasadena.
2: Well, yeah, and and we were kind of... We weren't new to the process because uh, uh, MGM had tested... We had had failed the test already with True Love because it tested miserably as well. And, uh, you know, and MGM, truth be told, the ending, they didn't want that ending. They wanted the movie to end when they dance at the wedding romantically. That was their suggestion to end the movie. But... We had Final Cut. Nancy had Final Cut, I should say, and and it was like, no, we're not doing that. Uh, with Dogfight, obviously, it's a different story. Um, she didn't have Final Cut, and so they really, uh, when the movie tested badly in Pasadena, we said, oh, that's because they, you know, Pasadena, they don't understand us. We're New York filmmakers. Test it in Manhattan, and so they tested in Manhattan, and Manhattan audiences test it tested the same way interestingly enough Um,
0: for different reasons it was funny like in Pasadena I remember god I remember I remember the executives being really excited because you know they thought we had had something and um, going into that theater in the front row there were these really young people and I'm going like oh they're that's interesting okay that I guess that's our audience there and they were just started going like dog fight dog fight dog fight and I went oh shit (laughs) They're they came to see a different movie. <laughs> they're yeah. expecting something else. And um, and so they laughed all the way through the first part of the movie. And then when it got to be about them, they were like, you could hear it. You could just hear it. You could feel it. And I sat in the way back and I just, my, I remember my head in my hands. And and then when the lights came up, everybody came over and said, like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We can fix this. And those are the worst words I could mm-hmm. hear. We can fix this. And that's when the notes started coming in.
1: Did they want you to reshoot stuff?
0: Yes. They wanted a new ending. They wanted a new ending.
1: They wanted more they wanted,
2: ending. They, they did not want the movie to end where it, where it is.
0: And they obviously wanted a happy ending. And yeah. as Rich said, what's yeah. the happy ending?
2: I mean, I, I asked, should we win the Vietnam War? I mean that that didn't that didn't go over really really well. We were both kind of wise asses, and you know one of the you know we we did do some arrogant things. Like when we we flew in, they it was the the big meeting. We're gonna you guys are gonna come out here, and we're gonna have writers, and we're gonna you know we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna resolve this. We booked tickets on uh for you know the early flight in, and on the red eye out. It's like okay, let's have our meeting. And so they expected that we would just be staying there forever. I mean, we had kids; we weren't we we weren't going to do that. And um, and so you know that caused quite a a, a ruckus. Um, and Nancy bore the brunt of the ruckus because you know she was the director.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just um, you know it was a, a meeting where basically they were really disappointed. Um, they were disappointed, and obviously in the in the. Um, Reaction to from the audience, which I understood. And then the movie that they thought was kind of interesting and different stuff suddenly became a movie that was like, really troubled. And I, I, you know, I couldn't, I could, if I could put myself in their place, which is right, what you do as a director all the time, you're always putting yourself in every character in the room's place. So I could see where they were coming from. You know, it wasn't a movie that I came to them and you know, open my veins for it. I, this was a story that was given to me. So I, I but I do remember that every th- the ideas that were being thrown around were just so rough that I just said, "I I get it. You hired me for this. It didn't work out. If you just take my name off it, you can. You know, it's the film that you you guys made this movie. So, and and so." What happened is, my name is still on it, right? But, but not for the reason you think. It's not because they went, oh, you know, we can't do that to Nancy. What ended up happening was, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from River. And he said, so are you going to be on set? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, oh, he said, because, you know, they're talking about uh, shooting some more stuff. And I said, I didn't know that. And he said, yeah, and um, but, you know, if you're not going to be there, I'm not going to be there either. Again, here's a 19-year-old kid who knew how to work with the studio and knew when to pick his fights, and that's that's when he picked. That's when he stood up to them. That's when it was important. Mm. And that's when I understood, oh, like, okay, this is the time. This is it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll be forever grateful to him for that because he could have, of course, he could have gone and and shot. A scene and you know, and and it would have been a movie that I don't know, different I don't know if it would have worked. I have no idea. Well
1: did they I was gonna say did so are are the reshoots part of the movie now? No. No, no nothing
2: no, was reshooting. Nothing
0: changed. No. no, nothing, nothing.
2: No, he basically said he would he would he would do any reshoot as long as Nancy was directing it. And so the fact that she wouldn't do it, the yeah. studio basically gave up on it. Ah, he I said, see, Okay, now. fine, let it just be what it is.
1: Did you read what they wanted?
2: To
0: do. No, I was never given anything. No, but they—you uh, know—they
2: were—they were ready to hire other writers. Yeah, yeah. And pay Again, you know, Sort be, of rebuild you know, the, the, say, the location. Spend. They were ready to spend a lot of a lot of money to to fix
1: this. It's movies are very fragile, aren't they? You don't you don't know what's going to happen to them if they fall in the wrong hands, or they don't test well, or they do, yeah. you know. And then they are the ones that are, have been ruined or, you know, mutilated somehow. And you wonder, well, what could have happened if it, you know, right.
0: And it's really hard, you know, because I don't know, I don't know how you do it where you're like, okay, I'm doing this. Uh, it's a job, you know, it's a job. I'm doing this. I was hired, you know, the hired gun, um, because you fall in love with it. You do. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, I would have loved to have been that person say like, okay, you know, let's figure this out you know what, what is it that you want but but I saw this like story that was seemed to me so fragile and and it because it, it that's what it ended up being and part of it was obviously because I was a part of it that it just ended up being the story that you could I couldn't see how you could manipulate it the way people wanted to do it it, it was just gonna fall apart and be kind of a disaster yeah. so that's why I couldn't I couldn't see it so you know yeah. but yeah <music>
1: Thanks for listening to the Movies Till Dawn podcast. There's also a Movies Till Dawn blog where, on a mostly daily basis, I post YouTube videos related to movies, music, urban history, and all kinds of junky cultural artifacts that interest me. If you'd like to experience the Movies Till Dawn blog, go to my website, Raymonddfalita.org, click on the little tab at the top that says Blog, and everything will fall into place. You can even subscribe, and you'll get the posts daily via email, which is a much less annoying way to deal with it. So please come back for more conversations with veteran filmmakers and explore our podcast site, moviestilldawnpodcast.com, to listen to other conversations with filmmaking legends that I've been collecting and posting over the past few years.